Father, we thank you for that awesome message that no matter uh, where we've been or what we've done, that we always have uh, repentance as an option. Um, you're a God of grace and mercy. We thank you that we can come to you. Um, so, Lord, we pray that right now, no matter what uh, is crowding our minds and our hearts, that you would cut through all of that with your word as we open scripture today. We ask that you would speak to us through it. We would understand what you're saying to us and that you would give us the grace to respond to it. Give us the grace to be changed by it. And so we ask for this uh, time that we have now in your word to make a difference in us by your grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I think about church, I think about uh, our need for unity. And um, I, I don't know anybody, I mean, I've, I've heard of people, I've met people who really don't like unity, but, but here, I don't know anybody who would say, or wake up in the morning and say, you know, I, I want to go to church and be disruptive. I, I want to go to church and, and try to do what I can to disrupt unity, just kind of just break it all up. I mean, nobody, we all want unity. And what we want to look at today is how to get that, how to foster that in church. Um, it's not enough to just be together in a place. That togetherness is not, is not unity. If you take a bunch of people and stick them in a penitentiary, because you know, they all have something in common. They all have been found guilty by the government. They all have something in common. They all wear the same things, eat the same things, live in the same quarters. There's a lot of sameness, but, but there's, there's, that's not unity. Right. When we think of examples of unity, we think of like a basketball team and how there's a point guard and a shooting guard, a forward, a center and how they work together. You think of a flock of geese and how they fly and you're just like, how do they decide who's in the front, you know, and who's in the back and who's in the middle? But it's a beautiful thing to watch. Now, if you take that basketball team and the point guard is down in the center and he's trying under the basket trying to do rebounds and he's a short little guy and then you got the huge awkward looking center and he's up front with, you know, up top with the ball trying to dribble and, and the center wants to be the guard and the shooting guard wants to be the center and the point guard wants to be the rebounder and you just have a mess. If you have that flock of geese and the one in the front wants to be the one in the back and the one in the back wants to be the one on the side and the one in the side is trying to take the lead and suddenly you don't have that V formation anymore. Uh, if you take this building and when this was being built and, and the pieces were delivered or whatever, you know, they take the rafters and they wanted the rafters to be like the joists and they took the joists and try to make them the rafters and instead of carpeting the floor, they carpeted the roof and instead of roofing the roof, they roofed the floor I mean, there'd be leaks everywhere. This whole place would be a mess. So when we look at those things, the beauty of unity is when each unit or each member of that whole functions the way it's supposed to function so that the whole can function the way the whole is supposed to function. So as the Lord puts together his local church, he calls individuals to individual roles so that when each individual is functioning within that individual role, the whole body functions like a body, and Christ is the head, right? So I want you to look at that with me today. We're going to look at two verses today, two passages, and the first one 
is Ephesians 4, where we were last week. And I'd like to invite you to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, you can slip your hand up and we'll get one to you. Um, or you can quick download it on your phone. There's a free ESV app by Crossway. There's my plug. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. It's talking about unity in the body of Christ, how to foster unity, what unity should look like, how unity is achieved. And then I want to walk through every verse. We looked at some of it last week. But in those first uh, 10 verses, he's talking about walking in a manner worthy of the calling. We should, there's, a, there's a supposed to. There's a, a way that we're supposed to act as a church. That's in verse 1. It takes humility and gentleness and patience, putting up with, bearing with one another. We're not always going to agree. We're not always going to see things the same way. That's verse 2. It takes patience. I have verse 4, but there's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. The word one is used like that seven times just in this little short paragraph here. One, one, one. There's a bunch of you, Ephesians, but, but you're one because you're one in God. You're, it's the same baptism. And so he's emphasizing oneness. And verse 3, he says, we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And it's interesting he doesn't say achieve unity. Go get unity off the Christian shelf, you know. You have unity. It takes work to maintain unity. Unity takes work. Unity takes effort. Unity is, it, we have to be intentional about unity. So how does unity, how is unity maintained? He gave gifts to the church, verse 11. He gave apostles, he gave prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And what we looked at last week was what do these gifts all have in common? What are these persons, these roles, what do they all have in common? They're teachers. They proclaim the gospel. They teach Scripture. Why? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The purpose of the shepherds, the purpose of the teachers, the pastors, the elders, their purpose is to equip the saints in the body so that the saints will do the work of ministry. And when that's happening, unity is a result. When that's happening, unity is a result. So we talked about last week the importance of those roles, the importance of the elders in the church, um, how some churches maybe want to reverse it or they do reverse it where the saints equip the shepherds to do the work of the ministry. And then watch them with a careful eye to make sure they're doing everything right. But, but no, this verse is saying, no, no, it's the reverse. Shepherds are called by God to do a very specific thing. And that very specific thing is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. How? Well, I think we get a hint in verse 14 or verse 13. We attain knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. And then verse 14, 
So why? So that we wouldn't be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, human coming, cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but instead truth in love. So the shepherds, the teachers, are to be impressing upon you scriptural truths so that you gain maturity so that you can minister. So this is how shepherds equip you to minister. We equip you with a knowledge of the Son of God. We equip you with truth so that when deceitful schemes come, no, no, you recognize that as deceit. When the enemy comes with craft and schemes, you can recognize that. You're protected because you are being trained in truth. Now look at the result. Verse 15. All of this is so that we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Right, he's, saying, he's saying the church is like a body, Christ is the head, and the individual parts, you, 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 you're a hand, you're a foot, you're an arm, you're a leg. And you work together to be a body. The body works together as a unit. And he says, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How do we build ourselves in love? How do we maintain unity? How do we reach and achieve maturity? How do we attain the fullness of the knowledge of Christ? Each part is working properly. Right? So the, saint, the saints are equipped to do ministry, and they need to do that ministry properly. Each part has to do that ministry. And I have to remind you, when he, Paul is talking about this body, he's not talking about church all over the world. You know, Christ is ahead of the church, and then you have, you know, this denomination and that denomination. He's talking about a local body, a local church. And each local church is equipped with joints and parts. Right? None of you are here by accident. None of you are here by mistake. Right? We believe in the sovereignty of God. If you're new here, we believe the Lord brought you here this morning. If you're old here, we believe that the Lord has kept you here for a reason, that we're all here by divine appointment. There's no mistakes. And so Paul is saying God calls together a local body and he gives it a hand and gives it a foot and gives it a leg. I mean, he he brings the body together. And it's built up in love when we're equipped to do the work of the ministry. Each work, each part working properly, doing the work of the ministry. So the natural question is, what is that? What is the work of the ministry? Right? Because when we think ministry, we often think uh, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know? So each of us has to take a turn doing a sermon? Or how, how does that work? This is why I want to go to that one other passage. It's in your bulletins. That other passage is 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, same author. It's still Paul. He's writing to a different congregation, but he uses... A similar metaphor, 1 Corinthians, if you go backwards from Ephesians 3 books, okay, you'll see 1 and 2 Corinthians, we're in 1 Corinthians, and then we're looking at chapter 12. 
He uses a similar analogy that he uses in Ephesians, so we know uh, from reading the context, he's talking about the same topic, even though the audience is different, okay? He's on the same wavelength. And look at verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts. He's talking about spiritual gifts. We know that because of verse 1. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So you see his point is the same. In Ephesians, he kept saying one God, one faith, one Lord. But here he's using the word same. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit, one spirit. There's all different varieties of service, but we serve the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So his aim is still unity. He still wants everybody to operate in oneness. So again, in Paul's mind, how is oneness achieved? Everyone operating in the gifts that they've been given. And so he unpacks it a little bit more. Verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, uh, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So you see his point being emphasized again? All kinds of gifts. You might have this, but it's the same Spirit. You might have that, but it's the same Spirit working that in you. You might have that, but it's the same Spirit. I mean, it's, it's repetitive. If you wrote an essay like this, you'd flunk. But Paul is trying to emphasize the same point over and over so that we don't miss it. So all, all different kinds of gifts given to us by the Spirit, that achieves unity. That maintains unity. And I just want to point out a couple of different things. I don't want to keep going too deep in the chapter where he lists all the different gifts. These aren't exhaustive lists. If you're searching for your spiritual gift, what's my spiritual gift? It may not be exactly one of these that he lists because his lists are different. If it was always the same list, then we'd say, okay, there's a certain set, but it's not always the same. Um, But I want to look at a couple of things in this paragraph that we just read that I think will help us function the way we're supposed to function as individuals in the church. Um, The first one's verse 6. It strikes me. It says, there are varieties of activities, but... It is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. He says that again in verse 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. Have you noticed this rash of superhero movies we've had like in the last decade or whatever? I mean, if some of you all just don't like superhero movies, I just feel bad for you because it's just one after the other. And there's a lot of superheroes left out there and they're just going to keep making more, you know. Um, I, I think they're cool. Kids love them. When I was a kid, I remember grabbing my first a comic book and, and, and reading it, and these superheroes are, are fascinating. Um, the reason why is because they're not like normal people. They have some special ability. 
whether it's a mutation or like a, an alien gave it to them or they discovered something in a chest that was buried or whatever, exposed to some kind of radiation and they turned into something else, they're different from us because they have some kind of special ability and that makes us, you know, we think, wow, they're awesome and kids are putting posters up in their room, right? These guys are awesome. They have some super abilities. Now, I don't want to sound corny or anything, guys, but <laughs> we're superheroes with powers that God has given us. And it's saying God empowers us specifically to do specific things in the church. It's not something you picked up when you were a kid. It's not something that necessarily you went and got trained at a college. Maybe you were trained in it. Maybe it's something you were already kind of naturally good at. It could be. But it's irrelevant. This is saying God takes a gift by his Holy Spirit, gives you the gift, and empowers that gift in you. What makes the superheroes cool, my cousin used to collect X-Men. I never really read it. But they were a group, a team, where each one had something different. One of them shot lasers out of his eyes. Another one can teleport. Another one can, the claws come out of his hand, whatever. But they were all different. They were all the same. They'd be boring. But they're all different, and that makes a formidable team. The Avengers is a recent movie that came out. They're all different, and they come together, and they form a superhero team. And guys, Paul is saying, this is the, this is the original comic book in real life. The believers coming together in a church are empowered individuals, all serving the same Lord, all empowered by the same God, but empowered differently. And your power is not the same as his power. Her power is not the same as his power. And I use the word power because he uses that word twice. It's we're empowered to do it. That's amazing. If you were suddenly given the, the power to fly, would you sit on it? Would you just, eh, I can fly, but eh, you know. You'd be like, man, I can fly, you know. <laughs> but God chooses in his wisdom to give you something specific, something special that you have. Everybody else doesn't have it. It's not that no one else has it in the world, but you have it, and that's the one thing that God is saying, you should offer this to the church. This is how you minister to the church. You might have more than one gift, but everyone at least has one manifestation of the Spirit. Now, some churches say the manifestation of the Spirit is speaking in tongues, right? And why do we balk against that at this church? Why do we balk against that? Because of this passage. Variety. Variety. Okay? There's all kinds of different gifts. Not all the same gift. All the same Lord. All the same source. But different kinds of gifts. So your role in the church is ministry. It may not look like what I'm doing. Why? Because I've got the pulpit. Don't touch what I, you know, my platform. No. It's on gifting. It's on gifting. I would be a bad welcome team person. I just, I just, I don't know. I, I have to really work at it. You know, but Tina and Andy, you know, I'm like, you guys are naturals. Go out there and shake people's hands, you know. I can't play the guitar. I'm not musical. It would be really awkward if I was a worship leader. Um, but the Lord has uh, called me to preach. He's called you to do something just as specific, just as important. And it's a, it provides a variety. Now, verse 7 gives us the purpose, and this is helpful. Okay, The purpose of your spiritual gift, we find that in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is how unity is built, because we're serving each other for the common good. There's a, a common goodness that's a result of us serving each other. Therefore, your spiritual gift cannot be the gift of solitude. 
I'm just really good at spending time by myself, brother. So I'll see you later. Or the gift of going it alone. Now, I'm kind of like the Lone Ranger. You mentioned superheroes. He didn't have a power, but Lone Ranger, I don't know. He, he had the Indian dude. In fact, that movie's coming out, and Johnny Depp is playing Tano. And all the posters I've seen are posters of Tano. I think Lone Ranger is the sidekick now, and Johnny Depp is the man. So, you know, that's not even a bad example. So you can't have the gift, a gift that's just for yourself, right? So um, as a church, we, we don't disaffirm miraculous gifts. We affirm miraculous gifts. Uh, but the gift of tongues is an interesting thing. The gift of tongues, I don't want to make the whole message about this, but while we're here for some clarity, um, when people say, I have, my spiritual gift is tongue. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard you say it. Well, I just prayed to myself. But that can't be your spiritual gift. That, that can't be your spiritual gift. Right there when he lists it, at the end, in verse 10, to another various kinds of tongues, and immediately comma, to another the interpretation of tongues. It can't, your tongues can't benefit the body if no one's going to interpret it. Right? I'm not saying you can't speak tongues on your own. I'm just saying that can't be your spiritual gift. You can't check that and say, yep, that's me. I have the spiritual gift of praying by myself in a closet. No, that, that's not a spiritual gift because spiritual gift is for the common good. Right? And so your gift has to be manifest and impacting others in the body. So your spiritual gift has to be something that impacts others around you in the church. <laughs> It could be different from everyone else, but it's for the common good. It edifies people. It impacts people. It has an effect on people because it's for the common good. That's why the Lord has given it to you. Um, another thing that I just think is important for us to know is that no one is left out of this plan. No one is left out of this plan. And that's, we already, I mean, that's emphasized in Ephesians 4, but just, Let's just stay here. Verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them and how many people? Everyone. How about the next verse, 7? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. To each of whom? To each of the special people? I mean, have you read the book of Corinthians? These were messed up folks. <laughs> I would have left this church. I would have been like, sorry, you guys are... <laughs> You guys are a mess, you know. So it's not like the Corinthians are like a super upper echelon of Christians or something, like a, a higher tier of spirituality. No, no, they had problems. But he's saying, even in a church like that, he's saying, each of you who are a believer, each of you who have repented and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's, he's yours, the Spirit indwells you. The Spirit doesn't indwell anybody quietly. The Spirit doesn't sleep inside anybody. He's alive and active. He moves and he pushes and he manifests himself through you. How? You float around, you glow. No, you have a gift. You have a gift that he empowers in you to affect others for the common good. Amen? I mean, that, that's encouraging, guys. None of us are, not only are we not here by accident, the reason why we're here, ultimately, to glorify God, but how? By affecting others through our ministry. And so, verse 11 emphasizes that again. All, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually. So he, he doesn't go, hey, Christian Fellowship Church, and eh, how about the gift of, uh, the gift of knowledge? <laughs> and, you know, just gives it to everybody. You know, it's one person at a time. 
I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. I'm giving you that. And then he wants you to develop that, use that. Now, I, I really was thinking about, I, I almost did put one of those gift assessment surveys in your bulletin. Have you taken those? Lift your hand. Have you taken like an assessment, you know, and you, you check off the boxes and you, you fill in the blanks? My issue with those, and I'm not, those aren't bad. Google some, take some, that's fine. The problem with those is they tend to only list the ones that Paul lists. And the ones that Paul lists sometimes can be broken into various things. The gift of knowledge, well, that's pretty broad. That's pretty broad. You know, the gift of wisdom. Okay, that it's a little, it's specific how we use knowledge. It's not, I just have knowledge, but I use it to do things, make decisions that are wise decisions. But how do I use that to affect others? Am I a counselor? Am I a small group leader? Do I have Q&As? How do I, well, I think the reason why he doesn't specify them or give us three chapters full of gifts is because the spirit manifests himself and we don't necessarily need an assessment to identify it. Okay, the spirit manifests himself. I, speaking from my experience, it was one of those things that just kind of fell into my lap. If, uh, I believe that my, my spiritual gift is what I'm doing right now, just taking the word, proclaiming it to you. Again, spiritual gift doesn't mean you're the best in the world. It just means that's how God manifests his edifying to other people through you. Okay? And for me, it was um, a couple of things. And I, was, I went to a Christian high school and my my teacher would ask me to lead the class in devotions, and I didn't want to do it, you know. I'm like, they don't, it's not that I didn't like it, it's that I thought, the audience, these kids are a bunch of, you know, I see what they do when class is out. I mean, they don't want to hear the word, you know. Like, Just do it. And, you know, so I would awkwardly stand in front of everybody, like, hey, guys, um, let's look at this verse, you know. Then at, at church, uh, when high school was out, there was no college career group at all. It was like, be a weird loser that is college age and continues to hang around the high school students or don't go to church besides Sunday. You know, we didn't want that. So we got together and a few of us said, OK, how can we have group together? Well, you play guitar. You can lead worship. Yeah, that's true. You're really good with numbers. Why don't you like collect the offering and help us figure out what we can do with it? Yeah, that's really good. You're great at organizing events. Oh, that's great. Well, who's going to teach? They're like, well, you do it. Well, okay, you know, I didn't know what to teach, and it was bad. I mean, they liked it, it was good, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, that was, <laughs> that was brutal. I'm like, today we're going to talk about predestination, guys. You know, and I'm just, whatever was on my mind or whatever questions I had, I would just make that Bible study. That's not a good way to do it. Anyway, it kind of felt to me that way. Um, and, uh, but some way or another, the Lord will manifest his gift through you. It's an empowerment that he gives to everyone. And we have to start with a decision to say, okay, maybe it'll take me a while to identify what it is. Maybe I have to kind of do this and do that. And I find my way into what I really feel like the Lord is calling me to in this body, in this body of local believers. And maybe from one church to the next, it shifts and, and is manifested a little bit differently, even though it's the same gift. But we have to start with the commitment to say, you know what? I believe I have a gift. That means I have a calling and I need to respond to it. That means I have a calling and I need to respond. It's not okay to come to church, sit, listen to the message, go, good one, and then move on with your life until next Sunday. It's still not good enough to come and do the same thing at growth group. We love that you're in growth group, but if you're still just a spectator, 
That's not good either. We want you to come to a place where you recognize that you have something to offer. It's something specific. And you're not just waiting for the pastor to call and say, you know what? I've got a slot. I want you to fill it. Well, maybe that'll happen. And that has happened sometimes. But it's okay for you to pick up the phone and say, you know what? I really feel like this might be it. Is there a way that I can function in this particular area? And then we find a way for you to thrive in that. Um, this passages, these passages are calling us to not disengage from church, but to engage in a very specific way, according to your gifting, according to the way that God has called you. Um, not only can you disengage, but you can also engage the wrong way. You can engage the wrong way. And what I mean by that is your role at church, in your mind, your role at church is something other than your spiritual gift. Your role at church is to attend and be fed. That happens, but that can't be your role. Your role at church is to become a member and gain influence in helping the church check the pastor and the elder so they don't go crazy. Well, that's part. That, that can't be your role. That can't be your focus. Your focus has to be your spiritual gift. Now, I might use mine more publicly. I might, you know, you guys allow me to spend a lot of time developing it, sharpening it. That's okay. But you have a calling too. And so when you wake up in the morning, you're at work. And it's not that your mind isn't at work, but you start thinking like, what can I do this week to sharpen this gift, to make it better? I'm excited to go to church and use this gift for other people. And that is your focus as a role in the church. Your role in the church isn't to be like an, a random member. Your role in the church is to be a very specific member of that body. You're a hand, you're a foot, you're an arm. Okay. You have a specific calling to minister in your church. If this is your church, Christian Fellowship Church, you have a specific calling to minister to this church in a specific way. I have a, uh, a little acronym. I kind of don't like acronyms. They're rhymey and cutesy. I kind of stay away from them. But I use this one to try to help identify what the gift is apart from a survey. Okay, just a couple of check marks that you say, okay, yes, check, yes, check, yes, check. I think I'm getting an idea of what it is that God is calling me to do. I didn't want you to send you home and just a big fog of like, just discover it. You know, I, I want to give some guidance. And I think it's scriptural guidance. We have a specific calling. How do we discover that? Uh, three, three ways, three things that line up. And when they line up, it's a, it's a mark that it, this might be it. This might be your area. This might be your ministry. The acronym is APT, A-P-T. I always change the acronym. Every, every time I preach this, it's a different acronym, but whatever. Today it's APT, okay? I think it's APT for today. Okay, A-P-T. The first one's ability. It's a little bit no-brainer, but if you're not good at it, probably not your spiritual gift. You know, how, how do we know that? <laughs> this passage says that the Spirit empowers it in you, right? Does the Spirit do stuff that's bad? I mean, does, does, is the Spirit going to empower something in you that just, like, hurts people, knocks things over, big mess behind you that other people need to clean up, doesn't really have an effect on anyone's life? 
I wouldn't imagine so. I, I wouldn't imagine so. I think the Spirit is going to give you something and say, this is how this body is going to be blessed by you, and it doesn't really help anybody. I don't think so. So it's going to be something that's effective. You can get better at it. You can get better at it and sharpen it, and it can become more and more effective, but it's going to be something that you're good at. It's going to be, it's going to feel like a talent. It's going to feel like you have a knack. It's going to feel a little bit natural, even though it's supernatural. It's the Spirit of God working in you. The Spirit is empowering this in you, and so there's ability there. And how do you identify ability? You try stuff. Okay, I've tried a lot of things, and a lot of things I'm not good at, and I've never tried them again. I just kind of, okay, <laughs> I'm not doing that, or I'm not going to make that my main thing. So ability. The second one is P, passion. You're going you're gonna to find a passion for it. It took a little bit for that to get more excited in me. Passion. Uh, chapter 13, the very next chapter here, the whole chapter, it's a famous passage on love. Some people get married and they exchange their vows based on, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, well, that's cute. But the point of 1 Corinthians 13 is all of these gifts mean zero if you don't exercise them in love for the person that you're exercising them toward. Right? So you might have uh, the gift of interpretation. And when you interpret that, yeah, what she just said mumbling over there was uh, that uh, God, this, that, and the other. So, you know, shut up and take that. You know, no, uh, that's somebody who's cantankerous. That's somebody who doesn't enjoy what they're doing. That's somebody who clocks in the, the work and clocks out and just is miserable. Okay, that, that's not going to happen. If the spirit is empowering a gift in you, there's going to be. There's, you're going to be following in that, in that desire to see this happen in other people's lives. You're going to enjoy imparting that wisdom. If you have the gift of hospitality, if you have the gift of hospitality, another one that's listed in Scripture, you're not going to hate having people over. That, that wouldn't make sense. The Spirit wouldn't give you the gift of hospitality, and then you just hate company. <laughs> you hate cooking. You hate setting things out. You hate that last-minute cleanup. No. I mean, that might be difficult. It might be difficult, and sometimes you might have company that's less enjoyable than other company, right? That's normal, but the Spirit is empowering a gift in you, and if it's hospitality, you're going to enjoy welcoming people. I don't hate what I'm doing right now. I, I love it. I, I love it. Now, some days I f I'm feeling it more than other days. That's okay. Some days it's, I'm like, I can't believe they're still asking me to be their pastor with that message, you know? Other days I'm like, why am I not on the radio? No. Okay? It's up, it's down, it's here, it's there, right? But I enjoy it. I have a passion for it, and there's an ability there. Ability, passion, and then the other one is testimony. The T is testimony. Ability, passion, and testimony. What do I mean? When you do this thing, are there people that testify about you concerning that gift? Are you being affirmed in that gift? Um, there's, there's days where I just, I just do something up here, and I'm like, wow, I don't, I, I don't even know how I would, that, that was bad, you know? And then in the lobby, people are like, oh, the Lord spoke to me through that. That verse, I just was thinking about it this week, and it was that particular verse. I mean, there's no way I can know that stuff. The Spirit is doing all of that. There, there's been times, John hasn't even been here that long, and there's times where he's like, wait a minute, did you know I was going to do that? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? I was reading this, and I was thinking about that. And it just comes together because the Lord is doing a work. He orchestrates things, right? 
And so when you're flowing your spiritual gift, when you're, you're identifying your spiritual gift and using it to edify others, people are going to be affected by it. It's going to be something that works. How do I know that? Because it says that it's for the common good. It's not for the common bad. It's not for the common, like, oh, here comes this guy again, you know. No, it's going to be for the common good. It's going to be effective. It's going to make changes in people's lives. That doesn't mean you can't be critiqued. doesn't mean you can't get better. Hey, when you did this, maybe next time you do it like that. And you go, yeah, I see that. And, and you get better at it. That's okay. doesn't mean for the common perfection, but for the common good. We affect other people's lives. And so you're going to have an ability. It's going to be something that you desire to do. You're passionate about it. It's going to be something that when you do it, over time, there's testimony. Now, we have to be patient and understanding in this process. You might really be passionate about something and miss the other two. Right? You, you might really love to do this thing. I've met preachers. I've met preachers where I'm going, man, this is not your spiritual gift. You know? And I don't know them well enough to really have that conversation, but I'm just going, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Just... You can just, you see that, you see that. Um, or you can have a real ability to do something. You just, it just doesn't, you don't want to do it. You, you don't want to do it. I see that in people. I go, wow, you're really talented. How come you don't do that anymore? I don't know. I just, there was a phase I just kind of don't do it anymore. Like, that's okay. That's probably not your spiritual gift. Unless you're living in disobedience, like God is calling you to do it and you're just being lazy or something. That's different. But if all three line up, when you do it, you can tell there's an ability, people are being affected by it, and you know what? You like it. You enjoy it. I think that matches what Paul is saying when he says God, the Spirit empowers it in you, it affects people for the common good, and it's something the Spirit gives you individually. Now, I think it's clear you have a specific calling to minister here in a specific way. Um, I'll close with this. Next week, we're having that vote on the Constitution. This doesn't have everything to do with it, but here's how it is connected to that. Um, in, the, in the history of our church, we've had a little bit different of a structure, right? A little bit different of a structure where members have more authoritative say and elders have had a little bit less authoritative say. That's all the voting. That's where all the voting comes in. Okay, now the proposal... <laughs> The proposal is to lessen the voting so that two things can happen. One, what we talked about last week, leaders can focus on leadership a little bit more, a little bit less, I don't want to say handcuffed, but sometimes you feel a little bit bound. Leaders can lead, equip. This is how things should be. This is how we achieve unity, attain unity, maintain unity. This is how we uh, mature as a body, and we're able to massage that into the saints, equipping them, for what? The second thing. So that members' primary roles is not to thumb up or thumb down what the elders think. Your primary role is to flow in your gift, to function within the body in a very specific way. Um, and we, we need unity to do that. It's circular, right? Because you need the leaders to say, you know what? I'm, I, I'm encouraging you. I want to encourage you in that and to try to provide opportunities for you but we also need you to do the intentional work of trying to identify what it is that you think the Lord is giving the ability to do, the passion, the desire to do, 
and that when you do it, people are testifying and saying, you know what, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, when you do it and people are saying, eh, I don't think so, be willing to be flexible. Okay, maybe I'm misidentifying and let's, it might take some time. That's okay. But to see your role as a member in this church, your role is to function and flow in the gift. That's not all of it. There's still voting and there's still times with the elders. We're going to need your feedback and all of that. We work together as a unit. But your primary role is contributing to the church. Now, if you think your role used to be this, and now you can't do that anymore because your knees hurt or because you don't have the youth that you used to have or whatever, I think the Lord still has a purpose for you. He doesn't empower you and then, ah, you're, you're old now, <laughs> you know, forget it. No, it, it, might, it might shift in the way it's manifested, but you still have a spiritual gift. Uh, what I hear from some of you seniors is you, you just, you love the church. You just feel like you passed the torch because you really don't have the same thing to offer anymore as the younger generation because the energy level isn't the same. That's okay. Let it shift. Show us how it's done so when we hit our, our, those years, we, we still function in very specific roles, right? Some of you are young, and there's just no excuse. <laughs> I don't know what. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you know, maybe just haven't gotten there yet. Okay, we want to come around you as a church, love on you, and encourage you to identify something specific. And it's a specific way that you can contribute to the body, right? I don't want to ask the worship team to come forward. And, um, you know, as we, as we close in worship, uh, we're worshiping this Lord. We're worshiping the head of the church. We're worshiping Christ. Let's keep in mind that uh, as we're worshiping him, we're worshiping someone who's equipped us in very specific ways. Let's make a commitment to be on an intentional path of discovery, intentional path of finding out how I can do that. Some of you are wearing multiple hats, okay? Let's share that load a little bit as we start identifying people who can do those things, and then we can even things out a little bit. Um, but as we move forward, let's use wisdom um, so that we obtain more maturity than we have. And the way to do that is flowing in our spiritual gifts. Let's, let's stand and let's sing together. Mm -hmm.